Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series. We'll do that in just a moment right here on the Coffee Hour. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Marley Okander. She's a teacher at Sioux Falls Lutheran School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Marley, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Good to be here. And the Reverend John Zimmerman, pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Pastor Zimmerman, welcome. A joy to be back in the central time zone, so thanks for having (laughs) me. And it's fun to have guests in studio, which is always a joy. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve at lcms.org slash SAS. So let's talk about, we'll start off with your stories of how you became church workers, what that path was to becoming a church worker, and then we'll learn a little bit more about the communities, the congregations, schools where you serve. So Marley, let's start with you. When did you first start thinking about being a Lutheran teacher? Well, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. My mom's a teacher. I have teachers in my family. And I found out that my cousins went to Concordia's so you could be a parochial teacher. Mm -hmm. I had youth group leaders that led me in the faith and I wanted to serve like them. They were volunteers, just a farm couple, but just led me in the faith and knew I wanted to live my life differently. What did that path look like for you? If if you knew for a long time that you wanted to be a, a Lutheran school teacher, what, what did that path look like for you? I grew up in Nebraska, and so I was aware of Concordia, Nebraska. So mm-hmm. that's where I went for, for to get my bachelor's in secondary ed biology. Very cool. So what do you, what do you teach now at Sioux Falls? I teach middle school science mostly, and then a lot of theology classes as well. That's super fun. I loved middle school science, so kudos to you. That's really fun. Yeah, my <laughs> friends think I'm a little crazy sometimes, <laughs> teaching middle school for about 20 years now. So It's the best. It's it's interesting. There's never a dull day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. Pastor, what about you? What was your path to becoming a church worker? Well, I am one of those multi-generational families that huh. went through. Grandpa was a pastor, dad a pastor, my brother, and actually my cousin as well. I was all set to do pre-seminary at Concordia, Wisconsin back in 2002, but I ended up withdrawing over that summer. I didn't, ah, I was like, ah, not for me thing. And so I had a bit of a secular career in higher education and admissions. And actually at Western Illinois University, just up the road, right there, I was the LCMSU advisor. I kind of like the youth, you know, the, the college elder kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I remember some dear members go like, you're here all the time. We love you. Go. So I had great encouragement from the members there. And, and yes, the family said, okay, you, you can go. My oldest brother like kept the line going. So I had like no pressure with that. <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> dear, dear, dear brother Luke, he's like, oh, come on, man. But no, it, it's... It was encouraged over the years, but particularly when I broke out of my 20s of, you know, working, but then also remain active in the parish. That time, those three years between college and then enrolling was pretty important. Mm -hmm. Who were some of the people that encouraged you to become a church worker, a pastor? Definitely my parents. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, no pressure. We weren't like, oh, the line has to continue. It (laughs) It was none of that stuff you sometimes hear. You know, other church folks, I mean, your dear members are like, we need pastors. We've been talking about pastor recruitment for a while. I'm glad we got a, you know, a formalized initiative right now, but it's constantly those types of conversations throughout the decades and centuries have been like, hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest. We need sent into the harvest, but it's also encourage those to go into the field. Mm-hmm. 
Marley, how about you? Who encouraged you along the way? You mentioned that you had family members who who had gone to Concordia as, as well, Concordia Universities. Who encouraged you, though, through that process? I, after college, I considered quitting the teaching profession, too. So I had some administrators that helped encourage me throughout to stay with it and help keep me on that path of this is where you're meant to serve and where you are, where God wants you at this time and place. And so the administrators that I've taught under have helped me with that as well. So let's learn about where you serve. Tell us about Sioux Falls Lutheran School and the community of Sioux Falls. Tell us, uh, paint yeah. a picture, help us understand who Sioux are the Falls people you serve. Sioux Falls is growing. Mm-hmm. We, are, we have a boom in, in lots of people moving in and we can't even keep up with the housing that's required for all the people moving. So we have a lot of opportunity for, for people to hear the message, hear the gospel message, especially we have a lot that are not churched, we've discovered. So my school has been a part of, we've been trying to bring up with the district a pastor that will start a church within our school as well to get we have a lot of preschool we are a preschool through 12 school and our preschool families a lot of them are either churched in not a lutheran church or not churched at all and so we are trying to and the growing community we're trying to pull people in and then if we can get a pastor to start a church at our own school even that's kind of the goal we have a brand new school we've built just a few years ago. we've added on every year since so we're growing, the donors are there. It is amazing how God has worked through it all that we have been able to keep the money coming in to keep growing. Mm-hmm. So the opportunities are there, you know, the, the people are there, they just need to hear the message. So that's where we continue to work. And you get to teach biology and theology classes. Tell us a little bit about the day-to-day of life at uh, Sioux Falls Lutheran School. Oh, yeah, middle <laughs> school is interesting. <laughs> like I said, there's never a dull day, but it just helps to provide that consistency with for them. Some of them, too, have had some in the past who just come from home that, homes that are not as consistent as well. So it's good that we as a school can provide that, and especially on the foundation of Christ. And that's my favorite part is even when I teach science, that's I love science. God's creation, and then I can pull in those those aspects. I, I can't imagine teaching biology without bringing in our creator. So mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity to, to witness to people. Yeah, that's such a, an important place, especially with all of the cultural things going on now and people, you know, dealing with, with creation and, and gender and life issues and all of those things that you're able to, to teach from a, a biblical standpoint to kids that are in such a formative time in their in their lives. That That is a really exciting thing, I imagine. It is. It's... It's overwhelming at moments as well, <laughs> but yes, it is. And they're only the going, opportunities are... And they're only going to get that in the church. Or they're not going to get that outside. Mm-hmm. So thanks for helping with the kids up there in Dakotas. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor, what about you? What is the community that you serve, the community of Scranton and, and your church? Yeah. So I was placed at Emmanuel Scranton out of seminary back in 2016. at seven Christmases out there already. We're about 75,000 people in Scranton. If you, if, if, if the listeners know the size of Fort Wayne in Metro Zone, you put Scranton Wilkesbury together. It's about mm-hmm. the same size. The congregation... Um, not quite the boom that uh, you're experiencing in South Dakota. We were a uh, coal country, if you mm-hmm. know anthracite coal. And we had several congregations built because people were moving in. And then, but still dealing with some of the 1950s, there was a, an accident and they closed overnight. So we've mm-hmm. actually had a mission congregation down in Maryland where they had sent people down to. It's, um, yeah, so we, we gather together 
and keep sharing the gospel in an area that if you follow any of that Barna group data, I mean, we're just as secular in Scranton as Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon. Oh. But it's uh, the mission opportunity is there. And even that little congregation, God bless them out there, we're the only Lutheran Braille workers print shop in the Eastern District. Wow. And so they get together Monday night. There's a group that does it on Tuesday morning. And now we're doing once a month on Saturday for those that can't come. And so there's an opportunity. We have those from our sister congregations got one family already starting to come to help out. So we do things together. It's, it's a joy out there to do that. How does serving together with Lutheran Braille workers, how is that a part of congregational life and how does that make a difference in congregational life for you at Emmanuel? Yeah, great question with that. With Lutheran Braille workers, you're probably not going to meet the one that's getting to read the Word of God because it's shipped around the world, including we do revelation in Swahili of Braille. There's a Swahili Braille. I didn't know it existed until that's I started this so program. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And and so in terms of that service together is making sure you're actively sharing Christ. Yes. Obviously, we want 500 people or more in church on Sunday morning. That'd be a blessing. But at the same time, making sure those that would not otherwise get the word of God to them to read it in the language they can do with those wonderful dots, that, that, that invention that allows the word to keep going. So it keeps them focused that there's something bigger than just their little group. And so it's nice when you hear about like the school in South Dakota, you know, the, 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 the congregations that get together to, to run those. Anytime we do those things together, we get past our little, our little pocket, right? We're part mm-hmm. of the body of Christ. Well, actively they're seeing it, not just, you know, every three years you go to something together with other people. So. <laughs> what place does Emmanuel Lutheran Church have in the community? How is it, you, you mentioned Scranton being one of the uh, perhaps more secular communities. How? What role does that, or how is the congregation perceived in the community in Scranton? Well, we are kind of on the outskirts of town, uh-huh. uh, so it helps a little bit. No, we're, we're known, I mean, we do help with, you know, some, some food needs and things like that. We do help in our, our neighborhood. We are seen as a place that you can go and pray to God and we're not going to yell at you. <laughs> we are very welcoming. And yeah, it's one member called it, you know, trans, he moved, but he, he goes out, out of state. It wasn't anything bad. He, he goes, you're like the best kept secret in town. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's, let's change that. We're very heavily Roman Catholic where we are. Mm-hmm. So like nine out of 10 of the Christians in our area already tied into there. And it's not cultural. Like I was baptized somewhere. I may not go. So we're known as fellow baby baptizers, which is a great thing because we deal with those that might have a, a question about some of the theology issues. Like, well, hey, we, we got kicked out 500 years ago. We can, we can work with you here. <laughs> and we've had folks make that transfer over. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Today, our guests, Pastor John Zimmerman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Marley Okander of Sioux Falls Lutheran School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Dun, dun, dun. 
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series, learning more about opportunities to encourage people of all ages to consider church work and especially young people. Our guest today, Marley O'Kanner, she's a teacher at Sioux Falls Lutheran School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Pastor John Zimmerman of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Let's talk about your involvement in the Set Apart to Serve initiative, why your school, your district, your, your congregation chose to be involved. Why is this of interest to the the group that you serve with, Marley? My district president, President Seiler, is the one who nominated our school. And then my administrator is the one who asked me to go because she's been working on a lot of different initiatives as we build our school and grow and marketing in different different areas of our school. So, and she knows that I have a passion for bringing kids up to know God and, and a passion for helping other teachers to do that job well as well. And so I think she saw the the need that we have to help not just our own community and own school, but to help within our district as well. Mm-hmm. Pastor, what about you? Why did your congregation decide to be part of this pilot? Yeah, we were we were appointed to these these things, <laughs> and I guess it was President Wisher and his, one of his last things in office as he retired last summer. I guess we got nominated for this. What's really nice about this pilot program? I don't know if Pastor Bannix shared this with you all, but you have representation from all thirty-five districts. Mm-hmm and different types of congregations and schools and camps. So the, the, the category we showed up from Emmanuel Scranton is a city church without a day school. Mm. So we kind of fit that, that, that group. So it was mm-hmm. wonderful hearing the ones with the, with the schools. Also at my table this morning, you know, a pastor from Washington State that they've sent six men on to seminary in the last 10 years, praise God. And just learning all those different situations with that. In my secular career, I was a college admissions counselor. So I think Mm. that's why I got picked. Like, hey, you know how to talk to kids. (laughs) And so it's a joy to be here. Yeah, I I imagine that that background is going to come in handy for this pilot program as well. How have you been able to talk with young people in church since since this is your background? What, What things have you been able to do to encourage young people for church work? You know, I... I riff off of Dr. Just. I don't, I don't know which, if he was with you guys or one of the, the radio shows, but it was for a set apart to serve. He goes, I, I encourage everyone, let God sort it out. <laughs> and I, when I heard that, I was like, you know what? That is gold. I need to do that better. I know sometimes we get tied up with, like Sunday morning's prime time. Everyone wants to talk to pastor on Sunday morning. And <laughs> I have Emmanuel Scranton plus two vacancy congregations. So like Ooh. Sunday is a weird time. And so thank God for smartphones and text messaging of saying, hey, all right, write this down. Someone said something. So but with that Braille worker program, you know, you have time when you're doing things, when you're serving something else, trying casual conversation, bring it up. But um, like I have one of the new brochures are going to send out. But, you know, the set apart to serve, you got to think of it like go army. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, if we can have the same zeal that the U.S. military has of trying to recruit our young to serve, well, we have a very vital service. I mean, the word and sacraments need to continue, and it's a viable pathway forward. You know, Lord will provide. You might not live where you're from, but you might go back. Who knows? But that's part of the the excitement of it. Placement this spring. Pray for the the family is about to be sent out around the, the synod and the world. Yeah, so get get your materials out and just you know pray. And I, I love this 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 brochure, right? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew nine, thirty eight. I mean, we need to remember to pray. 
but also encourage. Marley, in what ways is Sioux Falls Lutheran School encouraging students, young people, to consider church work vocations? What are some of the ways that you've seen that happen already? I know there will be probably new ways in the future, (laughs) but what are the ways that you've seen that happen already? Yeah, we've had some students, now that we have a high school tied directly to us, we've had one in town for longer, but we have had multiple students through the congregations in town and through our school specifically then go to a Concordia and become church workers, so that's awesome. So I'm able to share some of those stories then with others here at this at this workshop as well. But to keep doing that, and the struggle now is it's hard to find teachers to put into our schools that understand this mission and how important it is and how important to have that foundation to then raise up the next generation. And so part of my job I see is to go back to my school and help them understand, like help the rest of the teachers to to bring up not just the, the students in the classroom, but also their own families of what does service look like? Like you said, you may not live where you want to live specifically, but you're doing the Lord's work. How can that be wrong? And and it's an adventure. Indeed, it's fun indeed. to serve the Lord in these different <laughs> locations. And, and you know, there are sacrifices to be made, but it's worth it when you're sharing the gospel message and more people get to hear that. So that's, I'm well, glad to be a part of it. Well said, well said. And I know, obviously we're talking about church work, church worker recruitment or considering church work vocations in the future. Let's talk more specifically about teachers since this is something you know so much about being mm-hmm. a teacher. What, when working with students and you see something in them, what is it that you see in them when you have that, you know, nudge of, of it, nudging them to consider serving as a teacher, consider pursuing that, that formation yeah. to be a Lutheran teacher? A teacher or pastor. I mean, teachers, I guess, if they're good with kids. We have some internal programs that we run where we work with, pre, my middle schoolers work with preschoolers. And so seeing some mm-hmm. of that inter, interaction and like, mm-hmm. you're so good with kids. Have you ever considered and some of those ideas. But even as a pastor, I look too for the empathy. Mm. <laughs> I've had I've had students come through where I have a whole class, but I can see one who who just sees the need of a classmate and can try to meet that need. And it's so amazing when they do it with scripture and with that reassurance of having Jesus in your, you know, remember that you're loved, remember you're forgiven. And seeing students do that, that's that's my my big the red flags, I guess, of, hey, have you ever thought about being a pastor? Because you're really good with people and, you, and you're really good at seeing what they need when it's needed. And I think that's a gift from God. Have you thought about using that more specifically? So. Yeah. It's really cool when you can see that in kids, even in middle school. Yes, definitely uh, in middle school. Yeah, the gifts that, that God has has so obviously given them and to be able to cultivate that at a young age, that, that is a really cool thing. On the flip side of that, what are some of the challenges that, that you face raising kids up and to be church workers? We've been talking about it in our workshop too, is just the money piece of it of... Mm. It's expensive to go to Concordia, and and there are very there are more incentives out there now for kids to go into church work. So I'm grateful to our Concordias for helping with that, as well as just when you get a job in church work, you don't get paid well. <laughs> and like the, I've always been aware of that and been okay with stepping into that position, knowing that my parents have even brought up, well, you know, if you did X, you could make. I could, but it's not what I would want to do. Mm-hmm. And and I'm serving the Lord in this way in this time and place and so that is sometimes what kids are discouraged by I guess Mm -hmm. and I would say parents as well they don't feel like sometimes it's a worthy enough Mm. role 
because of the lack of pay. And so they see it as less respected then as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a struggle. Pastor, challenges that, that you face in encouraging young people to consider church work vocations? Yeah. Well, challenge challenges probably more of, I mean, I, Emmanuel Scranton, we are two hours from New York City. We're two hours from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, our, our geographic location. There's a state in between New Jersey, right, to get to New York. But in my volunteer service, I was the LWML Eastern District Pastoral Counselor for four years. And some of the chats that I had is sometimes get the question of, hey, why do the pastors keep coming from out west? Because we're on the East Coast, right? Mm. And I go, well, when's the last time you sent your own on? And I think when you get longer generations of congregations and circuits not sending their own on, they kind of lose knowing, well, how do you become one? Mm. Like, is it just some, you know, pixel dust that comes down and says, well, hey, you're, you're now it. No, it, it's that encouragement and prayerful encouragement just to educate. So I'm very thankful again. I know there's been folks for decades talking about, hey, we need to work on this recruitment bit. And I just hope that culture shift that I've been talking about at the workshop of getting our members at the congregations, give them the tools to be able to discuss how do you become a pastor, a teacher, a deaconess, parish nurse, any of the commission ministries. And um, yeah, that the challenge bit I think is more of how do you do it? And there is the financial bit, but I don't know if that's as big of an issue in some cases, if you just, if you know you're doing it early on, you kind of make those plans. And again, thankful, you know, people with their generous gifts, helping with certain Concordia, we heard, you know, certain Concordias have the church work program now subsidized, you know, praise the Lord. I know at the seminaries, residential seminaries, that part's picked up. There's still the housing expenses and things, but you can you can work on that. And, the, and folks have been more generous lately because the need's been presented to them. Mm. And again, it is our church body, I mean, that we're responsible for. It's Christ's church, right? But we are responsible to keep the next generation going. So I hope kind and generous hearts continue on that. It's 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 encouraging to see. And the Lord will provide. I mean, I've we've had it where, you know, you got to shop at the thrift shops and you also have it when you can afford brand new things. So it kind of, you know, the, the Lord will provide. And we need to remember that. Yeah. And and we are spoiled as Americans. I mean, the, yes. you know, I, I share this. And sorry for one more little thing here, but pastors talk too much, right? But, you know, you have to think about the baseline, you know, daily life we have, right? We have hot running water. We have plumbing. We have, you know, food plentifully. Yeah, you might not be chasing a Mercedes-Benz and an Audi, but I don't want those repair costs either. I mean, a Toyota is perfectly fine or, or Ford or whatever you prefer, listener. I mean, just, you know, just be relatively frugal and you'll be fine. I know you're attending sessions here at the LCMS International Center as pilot partners for the Set Apart to Serve initiative. What's one thing you're hoping to to leave with, leave equipped with, to go back to your school, your congregation, your district from the Set Apart to Serve training that you're involved in right now? We have a lot of teachers at our school that are not from a Concordia, have not been raised in Lutheran doctrine as much. And so my one of my goals is to, to go back and to help... Um, help educate them on how to then be that that witness within their classroom a little more directly and how to help them to 
to teach? Like we're talking about all these pathways to get to these different church worker careers is what does that look like? Because I don't know that they're aware and I don't know that they're aware of just some of those foundational issues of we're here on earth to serve our God. And that service looks like serving the people and serving our neighbors around us. So what does that mean in our classrooms and then even in our community and trying to encourage more of that service more directly? That's one of my big goals. Pastor, what are you hoping to to take away from the training sessions? You know, I, I said earlier, we need to, you know, these little brochures, whatever, and other things that will be coming. We need to be just as comfortable suggesting to, I'll, I'll speak of pastors, I'm a pastor here, right? but we need to be just as comfortable saying, hey, Jimmy, I think you should consider being an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a pastor, a teacher, go Army, go Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, got all five, there you go. But it's, we need to be just as comfortable suggesting this pathway forward of service, because service in the church, as we are of all these other good things you can do of serving your neighbor. But nowhere else do you get to serve your neighbor full-time sharing the gospel. Nowhere else do you get to hold the hand of the dying and reminding them that they're on their way home to heaven, that Jesus is with them always. You, you don't get to do that when you're crunching numbers. And, and by all means, those, those numbers need to be crunched. There are, there are you know, good, solid members throughout the world, and we need faithful church members, not just church workers. But I'm hopeful that church workers, enough of them will become, sorry, church members will become church workers to help us out because the need is there. There is a need for, for both, yes, for church workers and those that are faithful to, to continue to be a part of the body of Christ. The Set Apart to Serve series. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today, Marley. Thanks so much for being our guest. Thank you for inviting me. And Pastor Zimmerman, thanks so much. It's a joy to be here in person. The Set Apart to Serve series. You can learn more at lcms.org SAS. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.